Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken and fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Aber, along with Abby Bitterman and uh, columnist Jenny Carlson. Uh, we last talked Saturday night after Oklahoma's win over TCU. I call that Hyatt Sunday top. morning. Yeah, it was Sunday morning. High atop uh, Owen Field on the uh, gosh, I'm west? getting disoriented. On the west side, we are now on the east side, high atop Owen Field. Not quite as high, but uh, here to talk a little bit of o- Oklahoma football, both uh, looking back and starting to look ahead at uh, Saturday's Bedlam game. Um, Abby, let's start with Jalen Hurts. And uh, Jalen Hurts, once again, the, the topic of ball security was at the top of mind today with uh, the questions that were asked of him, the questions that were asked to Lincoln Riley about him. How big a problem does this remain uh, with Jalen Hurts not being able to hold on to the football consistently? I think, I mean, like Jalen Hurts, well, Jalen Hurts said it happens, but it seems to be happening a lot (laughs) more often than it does for other players (laughs) lately. Um, And so I think that, you know, it's been a few it's been a big deal for a few weeks and I think rightfully so because that has been especially when OU plays in these tight games like they have been, that's become an even an even bigger issue. You yeah. Know? Well and I think the the tight games, part of that too, this isn't Jalen Hurts is not the same kind of quarterback we've seen under Lincoln Riley's system at Oklahoma. He's not Baker Mayfield, he's not Kyler Murray, and I know that Kyler wasn't B- Baker and Baker wasn't Kyler, but the big play um, sort of, you know, lightning strikes that we've seen previously, they're just not as abundant with Jalen Hurts. So you're holding on to the ball and you're grinding it out in the 10 and the 12 play drives. It's a lot easier to turn it over when you're going to score real quick like they have the last few years. When you do it now, it, it's, a, it's, a real, uh, it's a real handicap for this team. Yeah, but even, you know, when they're able to, to drive the ball and have been able to drive the ball in the past. Um, I don't, I don't feel like turnovers affected them quite as much. One, they didn't do it as much because those guys held onto the ball. But I think the fact that Jalen hurts gets so many more carries in this offense versus, you know, the running backs with, you know, Trey Sermon when he was healthy, Kennedy Brooks, uh, now, those two guys in particular have been so good at holding on to the ball during their career that, you know, when there were the the minor amount of turnovers that they had, which usually came through interceptions the last couple of years, but, you know, or, or fumbles from generally other spots, that they were able to overcome those just because they didn't happen nearly as often. And, and now, you know, we're seeing a, a little bit different shift. And because Jalen Hurts has the ball in his hands so much, that problem of ball security has gotten so magnified and and you know it seems like 
I don't know. I'm not going to blame him too much, but Jalen Hurts sort of sort of wants to have it both ways. He talks about how you know much he's got to get it fixed up, and then he's like, "Yeah, but it happens to everybody." Well, it does happen to everybody, but it doesn't happen to everybody quite like it's happening to him this year, at least. And Lincoln Riley talked about that today, Abby. Uh, that mm-hmm. uh, you know he he thought that there were that Jalen Hurts was cleaner with ball security. And we're not just talking about on plays where he fumbles, but on other plays where he's working in traffic and things like that. But that he's always got to be aware of the possibility of getting hit, which he wasn't on the fumble on Saturday night. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, I feel like another thing with his ball security issues is that, you know, in previous years, Oklahoma's offense was kind of just so good that even if Baker or Kyler threw an interception, there was kind of this this strong feeling that it didn't matter because on the next drive, they would they would probably score anyway. But sometimes with this Oklahoma offense, it doesn't like you don't you you don't necessarily get that feeling that they're going to be able to score as easily as they have in the past. I uh, I referenced the Thunder in my column Saturday night for Sunday's paper and, and the Oklahoma.com. Here's another NBA reference for you. Uh, Oklahoma offenses the past few years were a lot like the Golden State Warriors. I know people around here hate Warriors references, but if they missed a three or missed a bunch of threes or turned it over from time to time, they didn't get too riled up about it because they knew that they were shooting such a high volume that they were going to make up for it. And the margin of error was a lot bigger for their team because of that quick strike ability with the threes. They could score three, four, five, six, and really short succession and you know erase a problem and it was it was behind him I feel like the Oklahoma offense of the last few years was very similar to that you wouldn't you don't want to make the mistakes but if you do there was a sense of we'll just make up for it now it just doesn't seem like there's quite that uh, immediate uh ability to make up for mistakes you're more likely to see um, a drive that will take a while um, will grind it out they still have they still have big playability on this team it's just not to the level that we've seen it with Kyler Murray with Baker Mayfield yeah I don't think there's any doubt about that and and you know we'll see how it looks on Saturday looking a little bit forward against Oklahoma State uh, a team who's playing really good defense right now and I think the one thing that was missing from Oklahoma's offense and, and one of the reasons why they didn't get to that 30-point threshold that's been you know, just routine for Oklahoma over the last uh, you know, four or five years since Lincoln Riley arrived is, is because there wasn't that big play home run hitting ability. And um, you know, we didn't see for the first time that he's played in a long, long time. And I'm talking about before Texas, so... Uh, almost two months at this point, we didn't see C.D. Lamb with the big uh, breakout type of play. Yeah, was was definitely absent, and obviously he had missed the Baylor game. You know how much was he still sort of getting folded back into things? But um, I think having that uh, and the fact that they were running the football so yeah. well made it a little bit less likely that they were going to you know take those deep shots. Um, but yeah, sorry, Jenny. No. That's, I was just going to say it was like a reverse Kansas State. Well, and, you know, you you got to think, too, that um, Oklahoma might not have expected to be as successful as they were with the running game against TCU. I mean, nobody has run it like that ever 
on a Gary Patterson <laughs> head coach team TCU bunch. Yeah, I was so, scrambling looking uh, through sportsreference.com. Thank you very much if you uh, are a college football fan or really a fan of any sport. You should have that site on, on bookmark because it's got so much good information. But I was like scrolling back through the game logs to try to figure out when the last time TCU gave up that many rushing yards was and I got to the end of their game logs <laughs> which started in the 2000 season which Gary Patterson I believe coached the bowl that year uh, after Dennis Francione left um, without any so yeah uh, just yeah not many people run the ball like that against the Horn Frogs so who knows what Oklahoma had in its its plan that it might have put to the side when they thought well we can just win this game running i mean there's no no reason to to uh do a bunch of other stuff and you know then the when you see jalen hurts throw that interception which has been a little bit disputed did cd lamb fall down did he not uh, is the turf not good that question was asked of lincoln riley today well, well uh yeah let's we to talk about that we still got a couple minutes left in this segment but yeah that that was i thought it was an interesting answer though that the field because of the grass they play in a different kind of grass here um, late in the season, but the field naturally gets a little bit more slippy, slippery. Of course, it seems like you would know that and account for it with the shoes you're wearing. Uh, you know, maybe go with a little bit longer cleat, something like that, to be able to to uh, make up for that. But Lincoln Riley also said that any C.D. Lamb slip there, and it, it was pretty slight if there was one. Now there was uh, Jalen Hurts slipped a little bit on a uh, was it a fourth down play that he um yeah when he got sacked yeah uh he said both of those were sort of blame it on footwork more than the grass but i did think it was interesting talking about uh the grass and and how it changes throughout the season yeah i think that i don't know we watched that play a bunch of times before we started uh recording um to to answer the question of did he slip did he not slip feels like feels like slip gate but um <laughs> you know i also thought that in addition to just you know lincoln riley talking in such detail about like the type of grass and the effect of the type of grass that they have his his little reference to the time of the game too and how you know maybe at 2 30 well, the glad let's yeah let's take a break there because okay. i do want to talk about that uh a little bit more extensively. I just I just keep jumping ahead. It, like late in podcast <laughs> segments, I'm like, oh, and let's talk about this other big thing. I mean, we got to plan stuff out so we don't end up with a 17 minute podcast segment and a three minute podcast segment. But Oops. we're gonna we're gonna take a break there. We're gonna be back on the other side with more um, talk about Oklahoma football and starting to look ahead at Saturday's Bedlam game. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast. I'm Ryan Aber here with Abby Bitterman and Jenny Carlson. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber here with Jenny Carlson and Abby Bitterman. And uh, Jenny, we'll start off with you on this just because you've been around uh, OU for a long time. 
Are you saying I'm old? I think no, you're saying I'm old. I'm not but saying go you're ahead. old because I don't feel old and I'm <laughs> we're close. Uh, um, I'm not saying you're up. old. I'm saying you're experienced, Jenny. Oh, okay. That's good. There's a, there's a difference. I'm down one's with that. One's negative, one's positive. <laughs> um, a few years ago, OU had a run of uh, night games. Bob Stoops stood here at the other end of these suites where we're, we're sitting right now. And I don't know if complain's the right word, but lobbied for Oklahoma to for those things to be a little bit more balanced out. Earlier this season, Oklahoma had a string of 11 a.m. games. Lincoln Riley stood in the same exact same place that uh, Bob Stoops had stood a few years earlier and said, eh, you know, we need some night games. We need to balance this out. Now Saturday comes another night game, 7 o'clock, right, at uh, Boone yes, Pickens Stadium. Up in Stillwater, which is the fourth yes. consecutive night game. Is I that, so. is Correct. that right? Um, and today, Lincoln Riley, when talking about the grass, as Abby referenced, talks about, uh, hey, if we had two thirty a 230 game, maybe that wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> who who odds that? <laughs> Lincoln well, Riley, apparently. Yeah, it's just, can you be happy with anything? Yeah. Nope. Nope is the answer. They cannot be happy with anything. Um, here's the truth. As the TV slots stand right now, if Oklahoma's playing a 230 game, they're probably in a state of hurt. They're probably on the downhill slide as a program. They're probably not many, winning too many ball games Right now, the way that Oklahoma, the Big 12, they're in with ABC and with ESPN and, and, Fox. and Fox for their games – they're going to be 11 or they're going to be evening, 6.30 or 7, yeah. depending on which the, network has the games. Yeah, the, o- the only route you could see to a 2.30 game is a, a week where there's a couple of more high-profile games in the Big 12, which those are hard to come by right? because the number of high-profile teams in the Big 12 has shrunk down quite a bit. I mean, there's Texas, I think, is always even with the struggles that they've had. People want to see them. Or uh, candidates for those slots. Um you know, I think Baylor now, uh, Oklahoma State. Um, but those matchups are few and far between. You have to have a weekend where there's a couple of interesting matchups ahead of like an Oklahoma-Kansas game that would maybe lead you to a 2.30 start. But those aren't going to come very often for sure. Yeah, I mean, in 2017, OU had a lot of afternoon kickoffs. I mean, That was the year that OU Texas was for some reason not at 11 which was wild for some reason the for some reason was texas wasn't very good so it was not a marquee national game yeah but there were just i don't know i remember OU had a lot of like mid-afternoon kicks and i don't remember people being too happy but maybe that was just me (laughs) because now so what time do people really want games they want them at nine in the morning do they want like what do you honestly five o'clock i want them at six a.m in the parking lot like lincoln riley said one time that's where Uh, i want to see the game i'm I'm gonna strongly (laughs) disagree with that no i i think to me the ideal time for games is probably like one give you a time to get up and around but also time to get back home um but one o'clock's not going to happen because TV dictates so much of everything. But Jenny, this it brings me to this: when we talk about these game times, obviously television is so much of a well is the determining factor for all of this stuff. I, I wonder. I know TV loves to do this because it lets them 
sort of be fluid with what games are and when and how big games are. But I wonder, would there ever become a time where the networks had to do their selections before the season? Mm. And you make your picks and you sort of make your bet and lie in it. And I know it's going to be tough, but here's the deal. As many times as you lose as a TV entity, you're going to win uh, with with some other matchups that you might not have gotten. Now, I don't know if like CBS and their SEC uh, preference would go for that. You know, obviously ESPN and, and ABC with those big games, Fox uh, doing its 11 a.m. thing. But I wonder if maybe that's the how you find some balance in a schedule by picking before the season. I mean, would that be, would, would fans like that? Would we like that? Would coaches like that? Probably you start to be able to plan your life a little bit better, but I think that's one of the things I that think you say that I think of the poor people who were got married on a Sunday <laughs> uh, just before the seat, what they thought was going to be the day after the season opener against Houston. And it was the season opener. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously that would be great, but that's one of those, that's one of those bargaining chips that the, uh, the, the networks have right now. I think it would probably take all of the networks agreeing to do something like that before, um, any one of them in a, in a negotiation would, would just retroactively say, all right, we're going to set all these game times. Um, it, it's just one of those things they have, and they have so many six-day windows, so many 13-day windows, um, and and that's that's one of those things that they can use to their advantage. So I think you would have to see all the networks agree to that, and that seems doubtful because, you know, they all are looking out for themselves and to, uh, you know, to just sort of give up that flexibility. I just don't see the networks doing it, and until they are willing I, I don't know that the con- the conferences have enough negotiating power to make that happen. Yeah, I, I don't know that it ever happened. It was just something It'd be great. interesting to think about as then could Lincoln people be could people just be mad about kick times all year then? Or would they would they would they have to like sequester it at that one time when they found out about it at <laughs> yeah. the start? Yeah, you could yeah, only be mad get, at the beginning. Yeah, like yeah, have like a week it. and yes. then you're done. Yeah. No yeah. more complaining. Yeah, you get a week to gripe and then I'd be then on board for that. Yeah, <laughs> sign me up. Instead of week by week. Yeah, every, did, instead of every Monday. I did not expect that kick times would be a, a source of griping this week, and here we are. Here we are with Lincoln yeah, Riley I mean, randomly bringing up 2.30 <laughs> during his press conference. It, it was it was interesting. Just sort of makes you think a little bit, especially given the way that this schedule has weirdly played out. Night, with, night, uh, night. 11, 11, 11, 11, 11. I hope that was five times. Night, 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 night. 11. Yeah, it was 11 five times. And Big 12 title game is at 11 which will feature uh, OU and Baylor. And, Abby, it's a little weird because as there's a lot of stakes in this Bedlam game, obviously. But this is the first time since Lincoln Riley got here where there's been a game with no Big 12 title implications on the line for the Sooners. Wow. What would Baker Mayfield do? <laughs> <laughs> well, he wouldn't have to hide the shirt before he peeled off his shoulder pads. That's true. That's true. No, but it's... It's weird to... And he'd grow a, a handlebar mustache. Not a yes. Fu Manchu, as Same. much as he liked to say it. Um, no, but it's weird that it's a low-stakes bedlam this year, given its, its recent history. Or, excuse history. me, not a handlebar. I misspoke. Horseshoe. Horseshoe? I've yeah. never heard that. This is way yeah, too the, much mustache yes. talk. About a guy who's the, not here anymore. The handlebar is <laughs> like, well, you're not going to probably get this reference. You probably will. The handlebar is like the Raleigh Fingers. 
the curl. I've heard of Raleigh fingers. <laughs> um, no, but I looked back last week when the game time was announced at the last, um, all the last uh, 7 p.m. or like nighttime kick bedlams in the last uh, 20 years. And this is just the fifth in, in, in two yeah. decades. Um, but in all, like now five of those matchups, both teams have been ranked and they've Which been is the case on Saturday. Yes. And they've been some, and they've, they've made for some pretty interesting and wild games. So, I mean, even though and it's all of them have been in the same location. Yes. They've all like been in one. Stillwater and we're going back there again. <laughs> no, but, um, uh, so even though the stakes of the Big 12 championship or, or going to the game aren't on the line, um, it's still, it still does, I guess, have some stakes in that Oklahoma gets the chance to play a ranked opponent in Oklahoma State, which will only help its resume come. Road game. And That's yep. important. Yeah, yep. I mean, there's still massive implications in this game for the future, whether it's the making the playoff or just their spot in, in things. Just not uh, the immediate ones you're just, used to. Just not, yeah. Both this. teams don't have a, a, a chance to play for a Big 12 championship, which is yeah. weird. We've gotten – that. that's become such a norm for these two teams. That's an uh, – when they announced next year's schedule and this game was moved up, that was one of the things I thought about. Man, we're not – you know, it's likely we'll have almost for sure two teams still in the Big 12 hunt because it's so much earlier. But all these late games – We've still had Big 12 championship ramifications, and this year already yeah. set with Baylor and Oklahoma. But we'll see. You know, maybe next year's the year because of the way the schedule falls, and, and I think Oklahoma State, you know, we're not going to dive too much into them specifically at this point, but I think Oklahoma State is set up to be pretty good next year. Mm-hmm. So maybe next year's the year where we wind up having a battle in part two. Yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it is possible, and that would be fantastic. Um, but you know, for uh, and I know we're not going to talk Oklahoma State, but um, I do think this is the type of game that if Oklahoma if Oklahoma could make a uh, you know win this game by two touchdowns, which in the Big Twelve that's become rare. Two touchdown victories are rare in the Big Twelve this year. So weird to say. It, it, you know, just the fact that, and, and we saw just two. Well, that's years. what happens when you're a defensive league. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. I think we have turned a corner. I mean, I do think the defenses <laughs> are better, turn. and I do think that Oklahoma State is going to lean heavily on its defense. If Oklahoma could win by two scores on the road against a top twenty-five team, that would be huge for the Sooners. Yeah. I don't know if it gets them to the playoff necessarily, but it would be a big feather in their cap. Yeah, no doubt about it. I think, and we'll talk more about this uh, a little bit later in the week, but I think for OU to make the playoff, it's pretty clear what needs to happen, that they need LSU to beat Georgia, knock the Bulldogs out of the picture. They need Auburn to beat Alabama this weekend, and they need uh, Utah to lose a game, wherever that may be, either this week against Colorado, doubtful, or but or lose to Oregon in the uh, Pac-12 title game. By the way, speaking of uh – coaches lobbying for things you all see that Nick Saban today is saying Auburn is I don't know if he said by far but he essentially said Auburn is the toughest opponent we've faced so far this year yeah which oh is really was that what's that order on got to say about that I mean it's total nonsense oh I yeah mean, LSU now if he's talking about most complete maybe 
Although Auburn's offense isn't that good this year, that you know their defense is sort of leading the way for them. Maybe Politics. they're the toughest. Uh, maybe they're the toughest opponent that Alabama's played so far because aside from LSU, they haven't played anyone. Well, I mean, this is true, and we'll Ooh. get into that especially late in the week as we Shazam. Uh, look a little bit more deeply at uh, those scenarios and and resumes and things like that. And but yeah, I mean Alabama hadn't played that that hard of a schedule this year um i would say it's the best team that alabama still has a chance of beating um <laughs> because they lost to lsu it's a pretty darn good team this is yep. obviously really good uh, team. alabama's uh, last regular season game so uh you know we'll see but those those are things that uh, will be talked about much more but you know at least now after what happened saturday with what happened here with what happened uh, in Oregon, there's a path to it. It's yeah. not just It's not 17 crazy. things that have to happen. Yeah, it's, what, four, I think I said. Yeah. So, But number one is OU has to win on Saturday, and they've got to win the Big 12 title game against Baylor. Then you start looking at the, the rest of these things that have to happen. So, um, And by that time, you sit back and you watch the SEC game. You watch, when's the Pac-12 title game this year? I can't remember if it's a Friday game I again. I think it's Friday again. So, uh, you know, maybe they'll have an idea of that uh, going in. But we'll see. But we're going to take a break there. We're going to be back uh, with another segment of the Sooners Extra podcast. I think we might change up the lineup a little bit here for number three. But uh, if you could... Go to uh, Apple Podcasts, the Google Podcasts app, wherever you listen to your podcast, and shoot us a review. We'd really appreciate it. This is the Sooners Extra Podcast, presented by Zaxby's. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Sooners Extra Podcast presented by Zaxby's. I'm Ryan Aber, once again here with Abby Bitterman, and for this third and final segment, Barry Trammell. Barry, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, we're here up here uh, on Monday afternoon, again, uh, high above Owen Field. And Barry, you ask, we talked in the last segment about Jalen Hurts' ball security, and you asked Lincoln Riley about that today in, in sort of a joking manner and said the reason why Jalen Hurts' ball security it's been a little lax is because well i mean it's, it's a natural development when you when uh you switch conferences and go to a much more physical conference the uh <laughs> you know you leave the sec and come to the big 12 you're going to expect to get hit a lot harder so um yeah it's not like those you know wide open offenses of uh the sec where everybody's just running free on you <laughs> yeah where you know the best team in the league is uh scoring 56 a game and giving up 37 a game <laughs> down at LSU uh but no um you know I don't know why Jalen Hurts is fumbling the ball he needs to cut it out or this is not going to end well I promise you however um this has become much to the surprise of people who haven't paid extreme attention it's become a much better defensive league or 
if you want to say a worse offensive league, ever how you want to say it. But people in this league are playing better defense this season. The numbers bear it out. I think that, you know, if, if you aren't paying good attention, that I feel like, like Barry said, especially seems wild because two years ago, like, and well, three years ago, if you want to throw in Pat Mahomes, but like quarterbacks were just throwing the ball all over the place. Nothing could be done to stop them, it seemed like. And, you know, everyone talked constantly about how awful the defenses in the Big 12 are. And so I feel like if you didn't pay a lot of attention, you just assume they were still not great because it's not that time hasn't moved that quickly since since those days. But um, I lost my second point. I'm so uh, sorry. That's all right. Barry, I, I want to ask you what you were talking about there. How much of it is these defenses have gotten better versus we don't see, you know, eight really good to great quarterbacks in this league right now? Well, I mean, it helps when Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield go, you know, wreak havoc on the NFL. Kyler Murray, some others. However, I think we've got pretty good quarterbacks in the league. Jalen Hurts yeah. is a really good quarterback. Brock Purdy at Iowa State is a really good quarterback. Um, Sam Ellinger at Texas is the best quarterback they've had in a decade. So, you know, we've, we've got good quarterbacks in this league. So... This is not a bunch of stiffs running around. Um, it, or, do we have the star power we had when it was Sam Bradford and Chase Daniel and Colt McCoy and 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 uh, Todd Reesing and those that crew? Maybe not, but it's still it's still a really good quarterback league. So I think I think you've just seen the natural rebound of defenses playing better. Yeah, and it's uh, how much of that is just because it's sort of been emphasized more because of how poor it was before is it hiring better coaches obviously with uh with oklahoma bringing in alex grinch with uh jim knowles having success up there in stillwater because it hasn't seemed at least to this point maybe it turns and and gets better but to this point it hasn't been a recruiting change um like i said it might be in the future but it isn't right now yeah i think it's it is just about the emphasis you know with you know, having guys like Pat, uh, Pat Mahomes and Baker Mayfield so recently go to the NFL, I think teams kind of looked at it and said, well, we can't, we can't keep letting other teams score like 40, 50 points every game. Something has to be done. So I think it is, I think it is kind of just that na- natural bounce back, which is the second point that I forgot earlier, actually. <laughs> well, you know, I think, well, you know, in Stillwater, for instance, I think they've made a renewed emphasis on defense. I think here in Norman, you know, they tried to make it work, tried to make it work, and finally cut ties with Mike Stoops. And I don't know if that's a, not a renewed emphasis, but it is a different direction. Um, Iowa State in the last three years has sort of become the standard for defense, and people have followed the Cyclones. So um, I just think people are – have have said, you know what, we gotta we gotta put more resource resources, scholarship perhaps, or recruiting emphasis, whatever it is, you you gotta try to win with some defense and I so I think it's just uh, a little bit better. And frankly, nationally, defenses are starting to catch up a little more to the offenses, I think. Um, you know, you still see the sixty seven, sixty three game, UCLA Washington State, but you also see a lot of of lower scoring games. For crying out loud, I went to a game 
Saturday in Morgantown, OSU West Virginia. Those two teams have been playing shootouts when they play each other. I think last time I was in Morgantown for OSU, I saw a 50 to 39, I think was the score. Saturday it was 20 to 13, and it was old fashioned football with just field position and, and that kind of thing. So uh, I just, I, it's not a cosmic shift, but it is a small shift back towards the defensive end. Yeah, and I, th- I think as that moves on, one, I think it'll take a little bit of time for national perception a little bit to catch up or at least trickle down from the top. But I also think eventually the recruiting will be helped by that on the defensive side, that you know defensive players will start to look at this league as something they actually might want to play in instead of you know running away in droves, which – while not all of Oklahoma's problem on the defensive side has been uh, a bit of an issue at times trying to convince especially big-time defensive linemen uh, to come and and play in this league. And we've seen that a little bit with the Sooners. People like Ronnie Perkins is is the kind of player they need to recruit here. And and, uh, Perrion Winfrey, who's committed for for next year, number one JUCO. uh, That's fantastic. I don't know anything about him, but – you know, but that's what this team, this team at Oklahoma, this league needs is it needs to attract the the better defenders, and it didn't do that for a long time. Yeah, I mean, there's been large stretches of time where the elite defenders, unless they were right in Oklahoma's backyard, like Gerald McCoy was and, and a couple other guys, haven't wanted to come here um, because of the league and the perception of the league. Do you think, and this is – this is just a wild thought I had, so it could be way off. But do you think that also because Lincoln Riley is just so known as such a good offensive coach, that that has anything to do with it? Oh, I don't I know that it does. To me, but by the time that Lincoln Riley – well, really by the time Lincoln Riley became well-known as an offensive coach, the perception of this league was so entrenched that yeah. that didn't, to me, change much. Um it's been the the overall defensive perception of this league because it's one thing if you know Flink and Riley's offense is rolling along, but their defense looks pretty good. I think it is a whole lot easier to to attract elite defensive talent. But this league, it's just been difficult to to get those guys in here. Period. So I think that that is much more part of it than anything else. But um, I think we're going to see the residue of all this on Saturday. Yeah, and that's. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to see, I don't think, 48 47, 62 52, 61 41. Shoot, I can't even remember. Four, was it 51 48 in overtime back in 14 or whatever year? I think we're going to see them. And, and another thing we've seen is a change in style of offense. The Sooners are, the hurry up days of Kevin Wilson are long in the past. They're not oh, yeah. getting 15, 16 possessions a game. Oklahoma State this year, I've seen the Cowboys do some stuff. I haven't – I've literally not seen them do all decade. They've huddled. Huddle? huddle. What's a huddle? Huddle. You will teach me of this huddle. <laughs> um, yes, they've huddled. And Saturday in Morgantown, OSU had seven full possessions. They ended each half with a possession, and they were really just trying to run out the clock. So – I mean, that's just – that's a very – it's old-fashioned football is what it is. And they don't play that way every week. In fact, OSU has way more possessions than anybody else in the league. But 
even the Cowboys are starting to not play as frenetically. And I, I think that's uh, the, the, it's just sort of the way football goes. Things things go to and fro. Yeah, Barry, I was looking. Uh, the last 17 battle meetings, uh, which would date back to uh, 2002, which is the 38-28 win, uh, Oklahoma State win, their, their second consecutive in the series. Uh, or, excuse me, which would date back to 2001, the first of those games, 16-13. to 13. You know how many times the winner has not scored 30 points? I'm going to say once. Uh, t- twice. Twice. Um, which would be in uh, 2009, which was a 27-0 game. Uh, and then uh, – or, excuse me, three times. Two, yeah, no, two, th- two twice. Tw- 2009, the 27-0 uh, Oklahoma State – or Oklahoma uh, shutout win. And then uh, in 06, 27-21 uh, OU in Stillwater. Well, that's a decade ago. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I just – I think yeah, I think you're seeing some defensive coaches sort of get back the reins a little bit and – and tell their their head coaches, hey, you got to give us a break. You know, this breakneck football is fun and great for your stats, but it's not always uh, produces championship football. So even Lincoln Riley, I mean, you guys saw it Saturday night with the TCU game. They throw for 145 and run for 377. So, you know, even even the Sooners who have an unbelievable offense are making changes to that offense on the sort of on the fly. Yeah, and that was Oklahoma's lowest passing total of the Lincoln Riley era, and I'm talking about offensive coordinator since he arrived. Um, I believe it was uh, their their best running total since uh, was it since the Samaje Piran game, Barry? If they well, I, yeah, at least I mean, Piran had 427 by himself, so right. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what they had that day, but it was a bunch. So uh, yeah, it's a uh, it, we're we're seeing some changes. We're seeing some changes to Big 12 football, and that includes the Sooners and the Cowboys. Yeah, well, they only threw threw for, I think, 39 yards that day. Oh, with Cody uh, Thomas in the rain? Yeah, yeah in the rain and uh, not great conditions, of course. You didn't need to throw it all with what Piran was doing. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a different world right now in the Big 12, uh, no doubt about it. But we're going to wrap it up there on the Sooners Extra Podcast. We'll be back later in the week uh, with, with another episode as we preview – Saturday night's Bedlam game at 7 o'clock up there at Boom Pickens Stadium in Stillwater. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Ryan Aver. You can reach me, R-A-B-E-R, at Oklahoman.com on Twitter, R-Y-A-B-E-R. Abby, I'm Abby Bitterman on Twitter, as always, at, at Abby underscore Bitterman. And through email, abitterman at Oklahoman.com. Uh, best way to reach me is call me, 405-760-8080. I'm on email. I'm actually on Twitter, but I'm not going to look at anything you put on there. So uh, just call just call me. I'll be glad to chat. We'll have a nice conversation. It, it, it's old-fashioned, but uh, it's the best form of communication, talking to each other. You're, you're not wrong about that. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Once again, the Sooners Extra Podcast is presented by Zaxby's. Satisfy your craving for hand-breaded chicken. And fresh-made salads. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Or order online at zaxby's.com forward slash podcast. You can check out our work every day at oklahoman.com and every morning in the Oklahoman for the best OU coverage anywhere.